Well, bless you. We're so glad you're here at Church on the Hill. Now, we've got a lot of good things going on that we've started in the new year, and one of them is these clipboards, and I know everybody's still kind of confused. Why are we doing the clipboards? The main reason is just so that we can know what's going on in your life. If you'll just fill those out, you don't have to put all your information, but just sign your name. And we've got people in this church that are assigned to call you and to care for you and to find out what's going on in your life. Not to pry, but to be there for you and to pray with you. And if you've got a problem, we want to help meet that. The church has a responsibility to be the church. And we're not trying to get on your nerves. We're not trying to solicit anything from you. We just want to know who you are. And the Word of God tells us to take account of the flock. And we just want to try to do our best to care for you. The other thing is we're about to start back up life groups. And we've had a couple life groups that are still going on, but we've kind of gone through some transition. And in the midst of uh, us seeing this need, because there have been so many of you to come and say, what life groups do we have? Do we have life groups for kids? What do we have? And, you know, we've kind of been in limbo for the last six months. And a family came in and said, look, we need to make a change. We need to, we need to do something here. We need to get it going. And I said, great. Who's going to do it? And this couple said, we will. And I said, hallelujah. And it's John and Judy Saka. Will you all stand up for me, please? Amen. Thank you. They still have a life group, life group fun, functioning and, and about to expand. They're needing to split. They're needing to grow. But Judy and John have both committed to getting organized and to finding leaders and to start uh, planting seeds within this body to find out who may want to sign up and may want to host and may want to facilitate. So I just encourage you, if you have a, have a desire to be a part of Life Group, if you have a desire to lead or to host, please contact John or Judy, or you can contact our office, uh, icoth.com, or uh, just call us, call Michelle at the office. But I'm so thankful God is moving in this place. Amen? I mean, get your Bibles out with me if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 5. And can I just encourage, if you don't know where to start reading your Bible every day, I'm just going to help you out here. Start with Matthew 5. That's where we are as a church. Why not start there? And if you've got to start somewhere, you might as well start here. You might as well start now. But in order to get something going, you've got to start. So I want to encourage you to start. Get in your Bible. Get in the Word. We're in Matthew chapter 5, and if you've got your Bibles open... I don't know how your Bible reads, but my Bible splits things up kind of into categories, and it kind of, it kind of gives a, a summary of what's about to come. And we're in Matthew chapter 5. Let me read this first, and then I'm going to kind of show you where we're going over the next few weeks. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard it. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Verse 23. Therefore... If you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Verse 25. 
Shoot. All right. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just give you the right to speak into our lives this morning. Father, we've come into this church acknowledging that you are our God. And Jesus, you came to this earth to die for our sins, but also to give us the word to know how to live our life. And as a Christ follower, Lord, we as Church on the Hill have decided that we are going to follow you. And in following you, we're going to follow your word. Now, Jesus, we just ask right now that you would speak directly to our hearts and that we would listen and that we would learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, keep your Bibles open. We have been for the last quite a few weeks in the Sermon on the Mount. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' teaching. This is Jesus' teaching. So if you ever turn your ears on, turn them on now. And listen, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching us. And if you remember, so far, the main idea of Matthew chapter 5 is blessed. Blessed are the, 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 blessed. What are we? Blessed. What is Jesus trying to do? Bless. He is trying to rescue us. He is trying to give us a word. He is trying to reach us from heaven and give us a word that will come against everything in this earth. But it is the right word. It is the word to victory. We sing about victory in Jesus. Well, if we're not living in victory, then we need to change the programming. I was talking to the men yesterday. And you know, if you watch Sesame Street all day, you're going to get Sesame Street. You can't watch Sesame Street all day and expect to get CNN headline news. You can't live your life taking in the world and expect God to move in your life just because you like him and you think he's got a pretty good message, but you don't know it. You've got to know the message. You've got to change the programming. What does that mean? It means I've got to fuel my mind with the right thing. Because out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth speaks. God's looking at my heart. So the programming's got to change. Blessed, 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 blessed. Well, I'm not living a very blessed life. Okay, good. Good answer. Change the channel. Start this week in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Now, if you look in your Bibles, and I don't know if yours is like mine, but I'm going to say this. We we have just heard the, uh, the eight Beatitudes. But now we're going to see in chapter 5, I believe that there are six temptations that have to be resisted. We're going to start with number one today. And if we could allow some imagery, if you can kind of think and imagine the eight Beatitudes being these flowers in your garden. These flowers wanting to come up in your garden. Your heart's a garden. Your life is a garden. It should be good soil cultivated and ready to receive. And when we do receive, it's supposed to multiply and produce. We're supposed to produce fruit, right? We're supposed to produce righteousness. We're supposed to produce good things, right? 
So you can imagine these eight Beatitudes, we start to walk these out and these flowers start to come up. But we can see here in chapter 5, if you'll keep reading, there are six negative temptations, six negatives or temptations that come against our heart, that come up like weeds in the midst of our garden and try to choke these flowers out. How many of you know when you start to try to apply Matthew chapter 5, the first part, the eight Beatitudes, attacks start to come? The, the thing is, the attacks are always coming, you're just always just giving into it. But now we're starting to walk according to his word, and we see these attacks, and we can identify it. Well, wait a minute, that's an attack. These, but we're going to see in Matthew chapter 5, these six temptations are trying to, to suck the life out of us. But if you'll go on to chapter 6, there are five positives, kingdom activities, and it's like watering the garden. It's like putting nutrients into the garden. It's like going and weeding the garden. I grew up kind of on a farm, and I hated pulling weeds. I hated it. Justin worked for me at Express Lube, and we picked weeds every now and then. And they loved that day when we picked weeds. But, you know, if you break that weed off at the top, the weed will just come back. And my mama always said, get it from the root. My mama, mama always said, get it from the root. So that's where we're going. Can you see that Jesus started with the eight Beatitudes? Now he's starting to say, now watch out. Because attack's going to come. What's the first one? Anger. I told my wife a day or two ago, and I didn't mean it this harshly, but I'm like, it's going to be bad. How many of us deal with anger? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. We deal with anger. Why did Jesus pick this one first? I believe it's one of the most important things that keep us from experiencing the power in the kingdom of God. Anger in our heart. And bitterness is a part of that. And you know what it is? It's the spirit of murder. Now, I don't think any of us maybe don't have that temptation of murder, but it tells us that murder starts with anger. What is this spirit, this spirit of anger, this spirit of murder? Jesus starts with anger because I think it's the most common in our life, and it's the biggest one that comes at us. You know, you don't have to teach a two-year-old how to be angry. You know, you don't have to sit them down and say, okay, when this happens, you should get angry. Somehow, they know how to be angry. They know how to throw a fit. They know how to get all the blood to their head, and their hair stick up, and their hands grit, they know. And what do they learn? What's one of the first words they learn? No. No. It goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. One of the commandments, you shall not murder. Jesus is equipping us and he's trying to prepare us to go to the root. And the root of murder is anger. The spirit of anger has consequences inside of you. What it does to your soul it not only affects your circumstances, it affects your soul, and it affects other people, and it affects your relationships. But to add even more, it says that if you are angry with one another, you will be subject to judgment. I don't know about you, but I do not like to be judged. 
I don't want to be judged. What Jesus is saying is that if anger isn't held in check, it will escalate, cause you many troubles at many levels, and even extreme trouble will come to the point of the civil and criminal court. You know, most of the things that go on in the court system is due to anger. Matthew 5.22, let's go back and look at that again. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Any, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Rekha, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, this isn't Old Testament. This is New Testament. This is Jesus talking. I, when I see the fire of hell and Jesus is talking about it, I want to listen. Now, the word Rekha is, is a similar, is a familiar term in their society. And please, please pardon my bluntness, but it means you idiot. You stupid fool. And in that day, the word fool was a strong insult. Bigger then than it may seem today. To be a fool in Hebrew society was to be like a reprobate, denying God. It was a person who denied the covenant with God. It was a curse word. A strong word with insult, with contempt in it. And scorn toward the other person. So I want, to, I want to ask you, do you ever experience anger with a certain person over and over? You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, take notice, because anger is beginning to go to the next stage. I mean, there is a general impatience and there's a general weakness involved in all human beings. We all have to deal with frustration and annoyance. But he's saying when it begins to get focused on a particular individual in a repetitive way, take note, anger is about to go to the next level. And he's especially saying, really recognize your anger when you start to verbalize it. How many of you know you can be angry? in your mind, even in your heart, but it never makes it to your mouth. Do you see what he's saying? Once it comes out of your mouth, you're in trouble. Because when it moves just from preoccupation of a negative emotion toward a particular individual, and now you begin to say and verbalize it, verbalize your disgust and your feeling toward them, once you begin to verbalize it, the spirit of murder, which is the beginning stages of anger, it will actually escalate so much in your heart that it will start coming out of your mouth. What does it say? You can know your heart by listening to what's coming out of your mouth. Why does he say that? So that you can recognize that anger is at your door and you need to deal with it. Somebody, please listen to what you're saying. The Lord teaches us to listen to the words that are coming out of our mouth and listen to the words of other people coming out of their mouth. Why? Because it will identify their heart. You think it's important what we say? It's very important what we say. Now, he isn't saying that if you call somebody a fool one time, you're going to hell. He's not saying that. What he's saying is that if you're okay with talking to people on this level of anger. And you know, the, fu the funny thing is, I think we don't even recognize the level of angers we're at. We just get to a point, we just lose it, and we just try to clean up the mess but the Lord is saying wait a minute recognize your steps 
recognize your levels. Because if you get to that level, that level of anger will create a domino effect. It will start into motion emotional and spiritual dynamics in you. If you're okay talking to people that way, let some months and years go by. Because that anger will escalate. And it will bring hardness of heart. Word tells us that it could get so bad that you would even turn from God. Your heart would get so bad. How many of you have gotten so angry that you can't hardly even function? I have. I have. Unfortunately, too many times. He says they'll actually end up in hell if this thing goes, goes on unchecked. That's how dangerous it is. Matthew 23, 5, 23. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and reconcile to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, the key word here is therefore. You know what I, you know what I say here? I've stole this from somebody else, but you need to say, if there's a therefore there, what is it there for? Why? Because so many times we read this scripture that if you've got a problem with your brother, you need to go fix it. Wait a minute. It says, therefore, meaning we cannot remove ourselves from the teaching that Jesus has just given us on anger. We've got to go back. We can't just pull out verse 23 and leave out the, the, remain, the, uh, the previous verses. Do you hear me? Because it links this command. So he's saying to the person, if you speak angry words, you're in danger. And if those words cause another brother to be troubled by them, you've got to go fix it. You've got to go talk to that brother and humble yourself and repent of the sin of venting your anger. I love that venting. Have you ever, have you ever seen something under pressure and you just let a little bit of air out and vent that out? Have you ever had that with your anger that you were able to vent appropriately and all of a sudden the pressure's kind of gone? There is an appropriate way to vent your anger. Be angry and don't sin. Let that anger, let that direction lead you to righteousness, not to unrighteousness. There is a right way in your anger. But what about this therefore? What is it therefore? Because if we read verse 23 just as it stands, isolated, you know, if you just read this, you would think, every little thing I ever do, I need to go call some big meeting and confront it. Well, how many of you know you'd be doing that every day, every moment? Man, I get offended by people over the littlest things sometimes. And people get offended by me over stuff that I didn't even remember doing. I don't remember saying. Or it was taken in a way that I didn't mean. How many of you husbands and wives have been received in a way that you didn't mean to be received? And you got to deal with it, don't you? What did you mean by that? Well, I sure didn't mean that. Well, that's the way I took it. Well, that's not the way I meant it. Now we're going to just fight over that. How many of you fought over the way it was taken? Do you see the domino effect? All it takes is a little bit of bitterness and anger to make everything a problem. It spins out of control. But it's unrealistic to think we've got to go find everybody that we've ever done anything to. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. But the Lord is saying... If you have said something in anger to someone, 
if it is rooted in anger. Sometimes I'll shake your hand and just look at you funny, and I don't mean to, and you get angry at that. Now, wait a minute, I've not said anything out of anger. But the Lord is saying if it's rooted in anger, you need to go find them. You're going to see why we need to go find them. And Jesus isn't saying do this a little. He's saying every time you have, you have anger and it's released out of your mouth and it's hurt someone. Or maybe if you've not hurt them, but you're still carrying anger. But you have spoken it directly to someone. You know what happens so many times too is if I say something in anger to you, you're going to hear it and you're going to go repeat it to somebody else. And they're going to repeat it to somebody else. So many times I've had conversation with people that are angry at other, other people. And you know what? They, they'll come in and talk to, my, talk to me in my office and tell me what this other person did. And next thing you know, out of their anger, I start getting angry at them. Not at them, at the person that did the stupid stuff. Why? Because anger is contagious. And it's easy to get on board. No, somebody's got to say, wait a minute. This is causing me to go the wrong way. We've got to go and find this person. Leave your gift in front of the altar. It goes so far as to say even when you're at church, you're, even when you're going into the presence of the Lord, if something's spoken out of your mouth or if anger is in your heart towards someone, leave that gift and go get it right. Go get it right. Your words. He goes on even further in verse 25 and 26. He gives an illustration in the Jewish society of a, of a creditor, a man who loaned some money to someone. However, when the creditor gave the debtor money, the one who borrowed it couldn't pay it back. And he was guilty of breaking the contract, and he needs to commit to what he borrowed. And the creditor is upset, and the guy who loaned him the money is on the way to take him to the judge because he has a case. Because the laws of the land said that if you loan somebody money to someone and they don't pay you, that person goes to prison. Do you know that Jesus takes that same analogy to that anger, to that angry word that you have just stuck on someone, and Jesus says, wait a minute, you have to pay for that. That anger that that person has just picked up from what you said, he has a right to take it to the judge. And you are now subject to judgment for your anger. Do y'all read that? Have I, lo have I lost you? Thank you. Oh, shoot. Shoot, shoot. Now, everyone in Jesus' day was familiar with this concept. This is what he's saying. Here's the deal. That guy who you didn't, give, who you didn't pay back is going to the judge, and the judge is going to find an officer of the court, a collection agency. And if you will, that officer of the court is going to make you pay for that money. And if you don't pay it back, where do we wind up? In prison. How many of you have been a prisoner to your anger for years? How many of you have family members that have, been, that have made you a prisoner to their anger? What you don't realize is they're a prisoner to their anger too. Can anybody see that Jesus is trying to give you a way to get free? Um, I, I have an expression that I, that I try to use that when something tries to get on me from somebody doing something to me and it wants to get me down, my response usually is, this situation is not going to steal my joy. 
I have to fight for it. I have to protect it. And the only way I can keep my joy is to not get angry and to not let bitterness get in. And let me tell you, between husbands and wives, it's easy to let a little speck of bitterness get in. But you can't let it. You have to get in the Word of God so that you can discern when bitterness wants to come on you. Can I tell you, you can't discern it without God's Word. We try to discern and we try to do the right things in our marriage all the time, but we remove the Word of God, we remove the Holy Spirit, we remove the presence of God and think we've got the right answers. You won't. When your wife comes to you in crisis and your life is about to fall apart, if you have not filled your heart with God's Word and God's kingdom, think about what you're going to have to offer on that table. Nothing. Nothing that will get you out. But if you fill yourself up with God's Word, if your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and your faith gets stirred up and your wife comes to you and says, we've got a disaster, you know what? You're going to have a response. Husbands, this is for you. God has given you the authority in your household to rescue your family. But that authority only comes through kingdom, through God's kingdom, not through your kingdom. What we're dealing with here, men, anger, it will kill you, it will kill your family. It will affect your kids, it will get them in chains that they can't get out of unless they somehow get a revelation from God. That's how big this thing is. Can you see that it says it's going to take you until you pay every last cent? Can we go back? Until you have paid the last penny. Look what it says. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. You know, it says when you're along the way with your adversary. This isn't somebody you love. This is your enemy. How many of you know sometimes it's the person you love that's your enemy you're walking along with? And I can't get along with you at all. Settle matters quickly. So that you don't have to get to the judge. I don't want to be handed over to the officer. Jesus is saying that if in your anger you've injured another person. Or you have unsettled anger in your heart. Before that process develops and escalates. And before it becomes so complicated. Settle it now. Settle that unresolved anger. Settle the anger that has hurt your brother or that anger that is harbored in your own soul. Settle it because if you don't, the circumstances will escalate and you will still have to settle it, but it will be far harder to do it. You know the problem with letting your anger kind of settle overnight is you wake up and you can come up with more to pile on to it. And it's easy to get people on board with it. It's easy to get people on board with it. So he gave us the analogy, this parable, and his point was, if you have unresolved anger in your soul, settle it with urgency. Go and find that other person that you have hurt through your anger and ask them to forgive you. 
Humble yourself and make it right because it's only going to get worse. And it won't go away on its own. Have you ever heard that expression? Time, uh, time heals all problems. Well, how does it go? Time heals all wounds. Thank you. Not anger. Anger will get worse. Anger will grow like a cancer if it's not dealt with. It doesn't heal it. Anger gets back on the back burner, and it just waits for its moment to come out. How many of you have allowed anger to get you to do something you thought you would never do? Maybe it's something you said. Maybe it's something you did. Well, I would almost guarantee you that it is due to an anger problem, not due to that one moment. Things grow in your heart. Things grow in your heart. If you don't deal with it now, it's going to get worse. And the Word tells us we are going to have to pay every penny, so we might as well pay it now. Can I, can I ask you this? Can I, can I, can I try to reverse the, the thinking for just a minute? Because I know many of you are angry, and, and you have a right to be angry. What I mean is, there's a case for you. If you were to take it to the judge, you have a case. This person literally has done something bad. But if you're holding that anger, you know what you've just given up? The blessing. You. You've given that up. You have made a choice that I'm going to hang on to this anger even though it's going to cost me my blessing. What I'm asking from you is, don't you, wouldn't you rather have the blessing? Then why not let them free? Why not let that anger go? You're the beneficiary. You're the one that's going to be blessed. Do you know I've got somebody in my life that I've gone to and I've said, I want you to forgive me. I know I've hurt you. Would you please forgive me? And they've said, no. You're going to run into people like that. Some people aren't ready. Some people will never do it. That, they're not my problem. My problem is that I go to them, and you know, when I go to you, and if I've made you angry, I'm not going to say, sorry I made you angry. Will you forgive me? <laughs> How many of us do that? You know, you made me angry. I mean, I, I, made you, I made you angry that day, and you know, you made me angry too, but just will you forgive me, even though you made me angry too? Our, our, our forgiveness has a hook in it, and it's so nasty that nobody wants to forgive you. Well, I don't want to forgive that. But you come to them and you say, I've blown it. I've blown it. What I said I shouldn't have said. And I've hurt you. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I want you to forgive me. Would you please forgive me? No. Okay. Lord, in Jesus' name, I just pray that they would be able to forgive me at some point. But Lord, I'm going to walk away right now. I can't, I can't soften their heart. Only you can soften their heart. But I can't sit here and yell at them for not forgiving me. Well, you're just not doing the Word of God. Well, haven't you read Matthew 18? And we start condemning, even with the Word of God. No, don't do that. Let them go. And ask the Lord, Lord, open that door for me again. But until then, I forgive them, and I've asked them to forgive me. 
nine times out of ten, even a lost person will forgive you. Sometimes they won't. But I want you to know, when I've got a problem like that, it is my desire to pay the last penny right away. I despise creditors calling me. One thing I hate every year is when bankers start calling me, asking me for my W-2s and for my financial statements and for my tax returns. Gets on my nerves. I hate it. I'm making my payments. Leave me alone. But they've got the goods on me. I owe them. So I've got to jump through their hoops. I don't like creditors. I want to be the lender, not the borrower. The borrower slave to the lender. And when you come under anger, you become a slave to that anger. And until you pay that full price, you're not getting free. So let me ask you this question. Why not get free? Do you know you can get free right here, right now? And it's not 90 days, same as cash. It's free. Release. Walk in freedom. Settle it now. Time will not heal your anger. It's time to get free. Until you've done it completely, you will always have some measure of bondage in your life. And you know, maybe your spouse would say, ah, he's just like that. He just has, gets angry every now and then. You know what, if your spouse is okay with it, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit isn't. God isn't. So many times we like to look at this scripture and think it's our brother that's outside of our family. Most of the time it's in the family. Start in the family. It's time to get out of our bondage. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, I love you so much. And I want to hold you to this because I want you liberated to the full degree. You know, that, you know Jesus is not trying to give us a quick fix. He's not trying to give us a pill that makes us feel good today. He's trying to get you completely free. Completely free. Church, this is big. This is so big. Anger is so big. And, and I, husbands, I've kind, of, I've kind of been a little tougher on you. Wives, it's, it's, it's in us all. It's so easy to get angry at our husbands. It's so easy to get angry at our parents, at our kids. It's so easy. Anger is easy. And you know what? It will sneak in and you won't even know it's there. It's deceiving. It makes a truth. It, make, it turns a truth into a lie. And you know what? It is not just a moment. It's a spirit. And we have to fight it. I just ask you to bow your heads. Are you here today and you would say, Pastor, that was for me? I want you to know if that's you, you're not alone. 
the people sitting right next to you are battling it too. But I want to ask you this. Will you fight? Will you fight for your freedom? Your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has paid the price and He has given us instruction. He's given us the instructions of how to come out. Now the question is, will you? Will you take a stand and say, I release. I release that person from that anger in my heart. And Lord God, I ask you to forgive me for what I've said to my brother. And Lord, I ask you to open the door for me to go to them. And ask him to forgive me with the right heart. Not with the wrong heart, but the right heart. Church, I would encourage you, I wouldn't let the sun go down. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's time to pay the creditor and get those creditors off your back. Will you all stand up with me? Just encourage you, if you would, just pray with me. You don't have to, but I'm just going to pray a prayer of release. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me of my anger. I just release this bitterness and this anger in my heart. And I ask you to forgive me. Now, Jesus, show me in my mind, in my heart right now, whom I have hurt with my words. And Lord, give me an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. Father, in Jesus' name, deliver us from a spirit of anger. Deliver us, Lord. Are you here today and you'd say, I haven't even made the first step of choosing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? You can do that right where you sit. Just pray a prayer with me and just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I turn my heart to you today. Are you here today and you'd say, my life is falling apart. I, I have a great need of the Lord to move in my life. Maybe you'd say, I've got a health issue or I've got financial issues. I need prayer, Pastor. I need prayer today. Would you just risk it all and just step out and come up to this altar and let us pray with you? I want you to know that the presence of the Lord is here and His arm is not too short to reach you. He is ready to reach you today. But you need to take a step. Take a step of faith this morning. Those that are praying with me, come on down. We're just going to open the altar to prayer. I just encourage you to sing with Miss Tammy. And let's just pray together for some release. In Jesus' name, amen.